we're talking in a series, this is week three, we're talking about genuine faith. It burns in my heart as I know it burns in God's heart that you as his child lay hold of everything that he's already provided for you in Christ. He doesn't want you having financial trouble. He doesn't want you having sickness or disease or pain in your body. He saw humanity and he saw all that they would face and he took care of all of that in the redemptive act of Jesus. So God has provided everything for us, right? Doesn't the Bible say that? He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The Bible says he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And then he says this, all of the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen. Or that, that word amen means so be it unto me. Isn't that amazing? So in other words, if you want to know God's answer to when you ask him anything, if, he's, if, if you ask him anything about health, he's going to say, yes, I want you to walk in health. Anything about poverty and lack, debt, all this stuff, he'll be like, no, no, yes, yes, it's, it's, I've already taken care of that for you. So he's provided all of this for us by his grace. But then... He gave us a measure as a child of God. We have a measure of the very faith of God. And then faith actually comes as you hear God's word. So, so you need to realize as you hear his word in your spirit, faith is birthed and grows in your spirit. So here's the deal. We have Christians running around going, man, okay, Lord, if it's your will, will you do this for me? And then, and then we who are word of faith people go, well, no, I know it's his will. But, but we got to get it from here to here. Because we've got, you've got to be fully persuaded. Faith is not of your mind. Faith is not a feeling, right? Now, faith will produce feelings, but it's not a feeling. But faith is a firm persuasion where you know if God said it, he'll do it. Amen? So that's why we're talking about genuine faith, real faith, no counterfeit stuff. Counterfeit faith, we call that mental assent. We could quote a couple scriptures and, and we're standing, we think we're standing, but the minute something goes wrong, in, in the natural, a circumstance gets worse or something happens, we immediately just bail and just go, what am I going to do? Well, that's not who we are. Amen? Faith is tenacious. So the foundational scriptures, you could turn there. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. Actually, unless you have a New Living Translation, don't worry about going there. Just write it in your notes. And if you could put up the New Living Translation of this, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. I love the way that this brings out the Greek language. Paul, by the, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is penning this letter to Timothy, a young pastor, and he says, I remember your genuine faith, 
For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Now there's another passage of scripture in a letter that Paul wrote that gives us a little more insight. First of all, genuine faith, real faith. It's interesting that Paul said real faith. So if there's real, there must be some kind of counterfeit that makes people maybe think they have something that they really don't. So we got to be careful about this, right? But then in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 in verse 5, you could write that in your notes if you'd pull that up in the New Living Translation. It says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Boy, I could tell you this, when you get around faith, you can tell it. When I listen to preaching, I could, I could sense faith, right? I can tell if that person that's ministering is just parroting a message that they heard or if they are really ministering out of what's really in their heart, right? And, and boy, I'll tell you, genuine faith. So we're to examine ourselves to see if our faith is genuine. Constantly we do this, all the time. That means I never examine you guys. You never examine each other. Husbands don't examine to see if their wife's in faith. Their wives don't examine to see if their husbands are in faith, right? Kids, you don't examine to see whether or not your parents are in faith. And parents, you don't examine your kids to see if they're in faith. You examine yourself. Then you also test yourselves. Test yourselves. We don't test anybody else. Test yourself. If you're believing God for something, test yourself. What scriptures are you standing on? If those scriptures don't roll out of your mouth as they are burning in your heart, probably not genuine faith. Right? And here's the other reason why you examine and test yourself because really, we can't judge each other's heart. So that would be, that would, in, in other words, that would be a distraction. Right? Examine yourself. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. In other words, genuine faith will always tell you that Jesus is here. Right? Right now, this morning... The very Spirit of God is here. Jesus is in our midst. It's amazing if you study the letters to the seven churches in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. It will say, Jesus is saying, listen, pastor of this church, I know your works. That mean, and that word know means I know because I am there, I am walking around. Like right now, Jesus is in the nursery watching the people, watching your kids. And he's not looking at their actions, he's looking at their heart. He's in the preschool room. He's down in children's church. He's in the sound booth. He was up here on the worship team. He is right here, right now, looking at me. Am I speaking out of the overflow or am I just acting 
right? He's, he's literally with you, looking at you. Are you in the right place? Do you have ears to hear? Now, is he looking because he's upset and boy, you better have it right? No, 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 no. He wants to help you. As a matter of fact, he wants to help you so much that the third person of the Godhead, the mighty Holy Spirit, dwells in you, and he's there to help you. Isn't that amazing? You have all the answers right as you're sitting there today. I love that. So let's jump over as a review one of these things. This is another major test. First of all, am I standing on Scripture? Because faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know what God's word says about something, how can you believe God for it? Right? But I'm here to tell you that God wants you healed. He wants to get past, he wants to get past believing God to heal sickness in your body. He wants you to walk in divine health. He even wants you to go past that and walk in divine life where sickness and disease just dies in your presence. He doesn't want you. See, if you're in lack today, if you don't have enough money to pay your bills, he wants you, he wants you to get to where all of a sudden now, boy, you've invited him into your life and now you're making enough money to pay all your bills. Now, some people who have had the luxury of never being in that position don't even know what I'm talking about. But if you've ever been in financial trouble, it talks to you all day, all night, right? All the time. And here's the thing, though, God will get you to even, but that is not what the Word of God says you're to live in, just enough for you. It's so sad when a Christian doesn't know God to the level where they're just living for themselves, just trying to get by. It's a sad thing. What do I mean by that? It makes God sad because he has so much more for you. He wants you to get past the land of even, into the land of abundance. That's where he wants you to be. Jesus literally set up an eternal jubilee. Remember when he came out of the wilderness? He came down, he went into the synagogue, they gave him the, the book, the book of Isaiah. There would have been a scroll, and he just as his was, it, it was, it was what he did all the time. In other words, Jesus always went to church growing up. Right? And he read this scroll, but then he said at the end of it, to ex it says to ex uh, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Everybody would have known he was talking about the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, they would blow a trumpet, and no matter who, what debts, if you lost your property, if you were in debt up to here, everything would go back to the way it was when they first take, take, took the promised land. So if you had debt, it was all erased. If you lost your land, it was all returned back to you. That was the year of Jubilee. They went crazy because it wasn't the year of Jubilee when Jesus said that, but he said, from this time on, this is instituted. Who is it instituted for? It's instituted for you and I. An eternal Jubilee. That's debt cancellation. Does anybody have credit card debt? Anybody have medical debt? Do you own any, any money on your house or your cars? What about student loans? 
God's will is all of it be eradicated. Now here's the thing, how will that happen? Well, he doesn't rain money down from heaven. He's not a counterfeiter, right? He, it'll always be tied to giving because the way it works is seed time and harvest. You might have to do some things that are a little uncomfortable. He might have you sell your car and walk for a year or take a bus Whatever it takes, but if you'll start honoring God in a very short period of time, you will be driving something you never thought you'd drive, living somewhere where you never thought you'd live. You would be giving more than you've ever imagined, and you would have more than enough. And, and all of a sudden, in the midst of, gosh, you get a promotion and make more money to pay this debt, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an idea comes for a business, and it eradicates this debt, and I mean, all this stuff happens, then out of nowhere, somebody gives you a chunk of money. I mean, it comes, starts coming from all sources. Why? Because the angels of God are sent forth to minister for you as an heir of salvation. We need that. We are in the kingdom of God, right? We have angels at our disposal. Jesus is watching over his word to perform it. But we lay hold of all of these things through faith. And he wants, I'm, what, the reason why I'm saying this is God wants you to live on a higher level. He doesn't ever want you in fear, right? Which, think about that. That means no stress. How would you like to live with no stress? You are to live with no stress, right? Isn't that right? No worry, no fear. Knowing that the God of heaven is your protector, he's your provider, he's watching over you, he's in you, he's all around you, he's prepared, he's gone in, in front of you, he's Jehovah Jireh, he's gone ahead and provided everything that you'll need, he knows everything you're going to face, that's who we are. But how we lay hold of everything is through faith, genuine faith. So run over to Romans chapter 10. We talked a little bit about this. I'm going to kind of put some pieces to the puzzle together, and then we're going to go a little further today. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Here is a big, a big area to examine and a big test for you to do on yourself all the time. Are you hearing the word of God? There's a big difference between listening and and hearing. You can't hear the word of God unless, first of all, you reverence and you honor and you respect the word above everything else in your life. You won't even hear it. There are many people that go to Bible schools and seminaries and they learn all about this, but because they don't reverence and honor and respect the word above everything else in their life, which includes them and their intellect and all this stuff, they don't hear much of this. God is unable to really get it over. I love what Pastor Dave said. Jesus said, be careful how you hear. Actually, that Greek word can be translated one of two ways. Be careful how you hear, be careful who you hear so important. He always said this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In Psalm chapter 1 verse 1, he said, listen guys, 
It is impossible for you to be empowered and be blessed if you're walking and standing and sitting by certain people, right? Sinners, people that are just missing the mark, ungodly, people that are just living an ungodly lifestyle, scornful, people that gossip about other people. It's impossible to be blessed. Why? Because you won't be able to hear. See, faith, look at this, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing. The word cometh in the King James Version is in italics because it's not in the original manuscripts. If you want to read this literally, you could say this, so then faith out of hearing. Faith out of hearing. So then faith out of hearing. So cometh really adds to it because it kind of gives us how this works, faith out of hearing. The reason why cometh was not in there is because when you hear, faith is there. It, it's not anything you have to stir up. So if you have ears to hear, you will always be in faith. And your faith will grow as you exercise that. So then faith out of hearing, hearing, this Greek word, it's a feminine noun. It literally means the thing heard, the sense of hearing. In other words, you it has this picture where you're allowing the word of God to speak to your heart. And hearing, it says here, by the word of God. This is interesting because by is the Greek word dia. It literally means through or because of. In other words, so then faith comes out of hearing and hearing through the spoken word of the anointed one. That's, that's what this is saying. So this is why you don't come to hear the word deciding I'm going to see what it says but then I'll decide I have the option not to do it. If you have the option not to do it, you won't hear it. Now you could learn it intellectually, great, right? That, that's just yeah, rah-rah as you go down, wondering why God didn't move, when all the time he's just going, you didn't. I'm waiting. I, I want you to have it. I'm watching over my word to perform it. I will help you. The Holy Spirit is there. But you got to take the options out of your life. If you want to walk by faith, you got to get rid of the options. He is my Lord. He knows best. And he has a great life for me. And I trust him with all of my heart. I know him. Remember, we said this. Bible knowing is not earthly knowing. Earthly knowing means if I can quote Romans 10, 17, that I know it. I have an intellectual, I, I know it because I could quote it. I know it because when I'm given the test in school, I know the answer. But that's not Bible knowing. Bible knowing is to experience. I don't know God intellectually. I, exp I know him because I experience him. 
I don't know that he loves me because I could quote John 3.16, for God so loved the world. I know God loves me because I, I, have, I have literally known him. He always loves me. Whether I look good, whether I don't. Whether I choose right, whether I choose wrong. His mercy. Do you realize today? People, Christians, beat themselves up for mistakes they've made when his mercy is new every morning. And, and he says right on the end of that, and great is his faithfulness, which means he will always show you mercy. So that means when I mess up, when I choose wrong, I don't run from him, I run to him. That means when I look to my future, today, he wants you to know. The Bible says so much about it. He has a future for you. And it's a good future. He said it in his word. Right? I know the plans that I have towards you, saith the Lord. Right? They're not evil plans. They're plans to prosper you. They're plans to give you an end of expectation. What that literally means in the Hebrew language, this is Jeremiah 29, 11. It means that God's plan for you is that he walk out every desire that he's placed in your heart. It's amazing. In other words, God wants you as his children in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death with demons and powers of darkness and rulers of the darkness of this world which have no authority over you. In the midst of all this nonsense, all this noise, he wants you to live like days of heaven on the earth. Oh, will you face some trials? No, you not, may not, you may not face trials. You will face trials, and you will face Goliath, and you will face lions and bears, and, and, and the streams of the enemy will beat against your house, but the Bible says it will not move you. That he always causes you to triumph, and there's a principle in the word of God that you got to know that every time you look from Genesis all the way through Revelation, Every time the enemy pressed and came against someone, they ended up going further than they would have had it not come into their life. So it's almost like God is just smacking Satan around going, you're going to do this to my kid? Watch this. Boom. You're going to throw Joseph. I gave Joseph a prophetic vision. You're going to throw him into a pit? He's going to be sold into slavery? Listen, this kid held on to the promise of God and went from the prison, right? The prison to second in command of the most powerful nation on the planet. Daniel, who goes into a lion's den, comes out victorious, and every one of his enemies in the political arena is removed out of him out of his way and he flourished in captivity completely flourished i mean you could go over and over and over with this new testament believer he he always causes us to triumph luke 10 19 jesus said listen behold this i give you delegated authority 
to tread on serpents and scorpions. That means, the word tread means to have absolute mastery over all of the satanic hierarchy. That means there's not a demon, there's not a principality, there's not a power, oh, the, the title, rulers of the darkness of this world. Who cares? We have been given absolute mastery to tread over them. And then if that's not enough, what about their leader? Yes, and over all the ability of Satan himself. And then it ends up by saying, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But see, we've got to lay hold of it. God wants you to have it. This is not a class about the will of God. God does want you to have it. It's all, it's all over the book. The Bible said whoever's born of God overcomes the world. But what does it say overcomes the world? It's our faith. What is the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. So genuine faith is so very important. And it comes as you come to the word, not with curiosity. Not, I, don't come to church to try to learn the word. Right? If you do, that's great. But you're going to have to move. And the Holy Spirit will move you to where you're coming for one reason. I'm coming to hear the word because I'm willing to do it. You have to come to the word of God to hear the word. You have to come with one option, a willingness to do it. I can't emphasize that enough. And if you're sitting there today and you're struggling and going, but I don't want to do it. Listen, I can relate. Man, I remember I was playing basketball with all these stockbrokers in Newport Beach. You know, and, and, and one actor. Right, one actor, the guy was in the movie Hoosiers, and then he came to Hollywood, couldn't act. But, you know, he's a pretty decent basketball player. They found him in a YMCA, you know, and they thought, man, we could dye this guy's hair black, and he looks like he, was, he lived in the 50s, so in Indiana, you know, which is the second greatest basketball state in the country, second to Illinois, where I grew up, but uh, we won't go there anyway. <laughs> but, but anyway, so I'm playing with all these guys, and, and man, I was, I was working for a company in California. I was a national sales manager. I was miserable because I, there was a call in my life, but I was running from it and doing stupid things. And I remember going to the Lord and going, all these heathens, these people are, I mean, they're proud to be a heathen. They're all going out. Man, they're hooking up. They don't feel any guilt, and they all love their life. They're driving Porsches and BMWs, and I'm going, they're spiritually dead. Why are they so happy? But I found out later they were having good times. But when you got to know them a little bit, none of them were really happy. As a matter of fact, all of them were miserable. But at one point, I'm just talking to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I am so tired of walking by faith. Can I just have a break? And the Lord very clearly spoke to me and said, Tony, you're, you're not in faith. It was like somebody splashed cold water in my face. But Lord, I can quote, I, I teach on faith. I can quote the scriptures. He's like, yeah, but you're not walking by faith. He goes, you don't trust anybody, starting with me. And oh my goodness, and that's when I went on this 40-year journey, which is ending right here in a, in a message like this. Because I can tell you, 
Genuine faith is worth it. See, Christians are trying to live for God. And, and it's such, it's so hard. Because you're trying to do it in your own strength. And that sin, that, I mean, you, you literally pray and you confess all your sins before, before God in your car, and you've talked to him about the curse words that you've spoken and about the, the, the stuff you've spoken in anger and the gossiping about others and, and all this stuff, and you feel so good. Father, in accordance with 1 John 1, 9, you said, if I just confess my sins before you, you're faithful and just to forgive me. Thank you. I receive your forgiveness and your cleansing. And oh, I feel so good. And then somebody cuts you off and you go, you idiot. Oh, I got to start over again. Now, I know I'm probably explaining something that's never happened to any of you. Have you ever lived there? Trying to live for God. You get busy and all of a sudden, oh man, I made a commitment that I'd get in the word. And it's almost like, you know, oh gosh, it's like, I, I just, okay, you know, you go lay on your bed and, and you open the Bible and you're reading and then you wake up and there's drool, you know, and it's, it's I mean, seriously, because yeah, I got to get in the word today. I got to live for God. I got to read my chapter didn't hear any of it, right? Instead, what we're talking about is you allow God to live through you. It's where you literally just make a decision. Listen, I'm deciding. You could believe anything, but you have to make a decision to believe. Is God really who he said he was? I mean, I got to tell you, there's a lot back in this book up. A whole lot. I mean, we're talking about Jesus coming to this earth. Wow. 333 individual specific prophecies about the way he would come to earth, where he would be born. It was prophesied where he'd be born before the town ever existed. I mean, all of these prophecies, how he would live, how he would die, everything specific. 365 literally individual pieces of these 333 prophecies, every one of them fulfilled. One school down south, one college, they said, they did a study, if a man could live and fulfill eight of them, anything beyond that, it, it would be literally, it was 10 to something power, I can't even remember, but it, this is the picture. If you took silver dollars and, and put them four feet deep over the whole state of Texas, and you painted one of them red, and then you flew above it in a helicopter and just made a decision, okay, I'm gonna stop here, if you would be able to pick the red one up when you just bent over and picked up the first one, that's the same chance as eight of them being fulfilled. He fulfilled all 333. Do you think Jesus wants us to know when he's coming back? Yeah, there's over 600 of those prophecies. Almost double. You can trust him. His word is full of life and power. It's active and effective. But it comes by hearing. You must have a willingness to hear. Or a willingness to do when you hear. See, this is what happens. 
When I come to the word of God with a willingness to do it, with a reverence and an honor and a respect for the word above everything else in my life, what happens, the result of hearing God's words, it causes us to know something about him. Everything in this Bible will teach you to know him. Not, not intellectually. I should say it this way. When you hear this way, you will experience him. You'll experience his peace. You won't just know about it. See, the peace of God passes all understanding. And it mounts guard over my heart and over my mind. You could literally, it's amazing. You, when, you, when you experience a peace of God, you're looking at circumstances and you're laughing when they are bad. People kind of think you're crazy. But they don't think you're crazy when they see the thing change and you always come out on top. And then you could help them. We talked about this, the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. We having, in other words, we, we have the spirit of faith. We get it by associating with people that have it. We having the same spirit of faith According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. In other words, when you catch the spirit of faith, you speak. The spirit of faith operates by believing the word in your heart and speaking it out of your mouth. Remember Psalm 107 that Pastor Dave, man, it's, we didn't even get together on this. He was preaching my sermon before my sermon, I guess, because it's neither one of our sermons, right? It's all him, right? But let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When, when poverty and lack comes in your life, say so. Hey, wait a minute, I'm redeemed. Poverty and lack, you must leave my life in Jesus' name. Now, Holy Spirit, lead me. Guide me into what to do. And be willing to do whatever he says. You might, you might have to work at McDonald's for a while. You might have to stock shelves for a while. Your flesh will hate it. But while you're doing that, you have this little bit of extra money coming in. But what you don't know is you obeyed. So now it opened the door for God to be moving. And within a, just a short period of time, you'll get a job making a lot more money. Or you'll have an idea for a business or whatever it is. Because you got God involved. You were, you were not trying to do it on your own. You're letting him do it. You're his kid. He wants to take care of you financially. The spirit of faith that works by believing and speaking. And remember, we said the spirit of faith, it will transform your thinking. It'll renew your mind. As you believe the word and speak the word, believe the word and speak the word, it'll reno renovate your thinking, it'll change your thinking, which will enable you to react. All your actions now will be in line with the word. So now you're walking in proper behavior, and then whenever something hits you unexpected, it won't be unexpected to your spirit. It's because it changes your reactions to things. Right? So when that guy cuts you off on Dodge, instead of, you know, having some colorful adjectives, you're like, Father, bless that person, 
calm them down so they don't hurt somebody or hurt themselves. And Father, I do thank you that your angel encamps around about me to protect me. Thank you for protecting me. Right? So this is, this is so very, very important. Hallelujah. So let's jump over to Mark chapter 11. Let's get into some other ground here. Mark chapter 11, let's look at verse 22. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. We're believing that we'll see something new. That rhymes, that's cool. It says, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. And you guys know the story. Jesus got up. They were walking from Bethany to Jerusalem. He sees a fig tree. He he sees leaves on it, so it should have figs on it. And then he walks up to the tree. He's going to have figs for breakfast. The tree answers him and says, You're not having figs. That circumstance talked to him. All of a sudden, there's no figs. So it says, Jesus answered the tree. No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. He cursed the fig tree. They go on to Jerusalem, and he did it so that everybody heard it. Then they came back from Jerusalem to go back to Bethany, right? They walked by the tree. Obviously, nothing had happened to the tree. Nobody said anything. You could imagine Peter. He was probably looking at the tree. Going, man, John, you realize, look, nothing happened. But Jesus didn't say anything. Then the next day they're coming. Oh my gosh, Jesus, the fig tree that you cursed is is withered up from the root. And then Jesus is now, he's like, look at this, Jesus. And now Jesus is going to explain how to operate in the faith of God. And he says this, the first thing he says, have faith in God. It could be translated, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. He, in other words, he's telling them, listen, I'm going to now tell you how you can have the very faith that God has. Now, that's pretty big because that's kind of the faith that created everything. Right. And he's saying, let me tell you how this works. The first thing you say, see here, it says, have faith in God. Now, you'll have to meditate on this for a while. But faith is something you have. It's not something you get. Stop trying to get faith. Well, I just got to get more faith. No, it's something you have. Faith by hearing. You just hear and you'll have faith. Does that make sense? Makes a little sense. It'll make more sense as you get into it. To have faith, all you have to do is hear the word and believe it. That's all you have to do. Every one of you in here that know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior have already walked in it. You heard that Jesus died on a cross for your sins, and all of a sudden one day, you made a decision. I heard that. And all of a sudden, I'd never been to Israel. I didn't live 2,000 years ago. Yet, it's more real to me than standing here right now. Now, when I was four and a half years old, it was real to me. Changed my life. But I could tell you this. after, After walking for over 50 years with the Lord, some in obedience, some in disobedience, whatever, 
But I stand here today going, it is so real to me. I walked around Israel. You know, every time you get on this site, it's all this religious stuff, and yet you're weeping. Because you're like, wow. This is, this is, this is real. Right? You believed in your heart and you spoke out of your mouth. Jesus, you are my Lord. Come into my heart. And you were made brand new. That's how everything works. Satan will always tell you that you need more faith. Do you know there's a book? It's called the Bible. It never tells you to get more faith. Isn't that amazing? Satan will always tell you you need more, but it's amazing that the Bible never tells you to get more. You should see some of the looks. <laughs> you know what the Bible tells you a lot, though? It tells you to use the faith that you have. It talks a lot about that. It doesn't tell you to get more. It tells you to use the faith that you have. Because guess what happens when you use the faith that you have? Faith grows. Faith develops. You get to know him more. You're fully persuaded for bigger things. That's how it works. The only place in the New Testament that speaks about an amount of faith, it uses an example of the mustard seed. If you've ever seen a mustard seed, it looks like that little tiny piece of food that got stuck in between your teeth. It's so small. But it talks about that the smallest little thing produces the biggest thing. It doesn't take. See, Satan's always like, you need more. Why? Because he wants you looking at you and he wants you trying to work harder to get this. And faith is a rest. It's not work. In other words, it's not about how much faith. Say that with me. It's not about how much faith. Boy, you should say that to yourself. Because people will go, well, pastor, I'm facing something really big and I need faith as big as yours. And that is just not true. That's not true. Man, the woman with the issue of blood, she didn't even probably have a Bible. Well, I know she didn't have scrolls. She just heard about Jesus and was healed of a plague that, that plagued her for years and years and years. Isn't that amazing? I mean, could you, have you ever met somebody with stage four cancer? Patri pa pancreatic cancer? Stage four, you're going to die. Guess what? No, you don't have to if you'll believe. Do you think that leper knew a lot about the word of God? No, he was just fully persuaded. Because he experienced Jesus. When Jesus looked in his eyes and said, of course I will. Could you imagine? This man just went, wow. I've been hearing how he's healing everybody. I've been hearing, in other words, I've been hearing his word. I've been hearing all about him. And instantly a creative miracle. Is that possible? Guys, there's so many miracles going on around the world. Why not here? Why not in Omaha, Nebraska? Why not at Faith Family Church? I mean, we've seen miracles, but let's see them in greater measure. And it gets all the way down. we got to get off. You need more faith. Use the faith you have. 
you have everything you need right now. Think about it. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Wow. Hallelujah. It's not about how much faith. It's, it is all about how strong you stand in faith. You have to stand strong in faith. Well, pastor, are you saying I got to be strong in myself? No. You have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You seize hold of things, and what you don't realize is when you seize hold of it, God's hand is around you. It's like when you seize hold of it, Father, I believe I receive my healing. I believe I receive these finances. All of a sudden, as soon as I say that, my phone rings, and it's a collection agency. What do I say? Father, I declare it is written, you meet all of my needs. And when you say that, then his hand comes right around. And his hand grabs hold with you. And you talk to those creditors and you say, listen, I know this might not make you happy, but I will pay you. When? Don't know. Right? Don't know. You might have to go this, yeah, I don't know when. Oh, okay, all right. Call back if you ever want to. Right? Oh, I owe you $5,000, and if I send in $2,500 today, it's all good. That's great, but, you know, my minimum payment is 15 bucks, and I don't even have that right now, right? But see, God will grab hold with you. It's not about the amount. It's how strong you stand in faith, but how strong you stand. You get to the point to where I could be, my hand could be totally relaxed. Right? Totally relaxed. But God will hang on as I believe his word and speak his word. And God's going to work. God knows what you need right be way before you even ask him. This is what we're talking about. Faith is not about the amount, it's about strength. It's the use of faith, not the size of faith that matters. Boy, if you can get that. We are basing our faith walk on us. And our faith walk is all about him. See, what we're talking about today is you living the way Jesus lived. That's the way you're to live on this earth. Think about it this way. Faith does not come by measure. It comes by choice. You have to choose. See, it says now faith, or it says faith comes by hearing. You have to choose to hear. But when you choose to hear, it comes. It doesn't come, don't think measure. Listen, anything Satan can throw at you, a mustard seed faith is way, way more than enough. In other words, it's, and it says this over and over, what, what, what Satan did in Adam to destroy mankind cannot even be compared to what Jesus did, or God did through Jesus to redeem man. Greater is he that is in you. We're talking about genuine faith than he that's in the world. This is so very important.
Hallelujah. Boy, you guys are, I could, you could just sense faith. It says here in verse 23, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but he believes that those things which he says will come to pass, he, look at this, it doesn't say he may have, it says he shall have whatsoever he says. Wow. So notice, you have to believe those things which you say. Well, what are you to say? If you look at the other scriptures on faith, you are to never let the word of God depart out of your mouth. You're only to say what he says. Does that make sense? And the Bible says, if you say what he says, you'll have what you say. Not may, so if you really believe that, what would you, would you be talking the problem? Nope. Would you be talking about your mountain? No, you'd be talking to your mountain. You'd be talking to the sickness. Pain, I told you, you have to leave my body in Jesus' name. And I am not moving, and I'm going to speak the word and speak the word and speak. How long? I don't care if I got to talk and speak the word the rest of my life. I, I'm at rest I'm not trying to get more faith. No, I'm going to use the faith that I have. And as I use it, it'll grow. It'll develop. And how does, what does that look like? I become more and more persuaded. When, when you start walking around, it, it's real interesting. You'll meet people that they just kind of have this look like I am so spiritual. That is a look of spiritual immaturity. That's a person who doesn't know anything. They might be able to quote a lot of scriptures, but this is the look of somebody who really is growing. They're just excited. They're not about themselves. They're so not about themselves because they're getting to know him. A spiritually immature person who's all about me, and I'm so much more spiritual than my wife, and, and you know, I'm so much more spiritual than my husband. Yikes, pray for that person, right? Because that's spiritual pride. It's blindness. You don't know anything, and then you get in off on, well, you know, let me talk about faith. You know, let's just spend three months on the difference between, you know, believing and, and this part of faith. And we start micromanaging things, and we get into really weird stuff. Instead of just going, no, he said it, I believe it. That settles it. I hope this is making it easy for you today. So you, you can have what you say, but you can't doubt what you say, so don't ever lie. Right? Now, you might have messed up at Thanksgiving, but don't mess up at Christmas. If you're over and you don't like the green bean casserole. I mean, even, and if you don't, and you know, just, you know what? I have no opinion about that. Please, let's talk about something else. Because you can't lie and be in faith. Right? People just say things all the time. Oh man, you know, brother, I'm praying for you. You don't even pray for yourself. And you're, oh yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'll stand with you, I'll pray, I'll believe God with you. You're not even in the Word. 
You're not even praying for yourself. Your words are idle. Right? It's impossible for you to believe that those things which you say will come to pass. And then you'll sit there and go, well, wait a minute. I know the scripture. Pastor Tony has been saying this for 15 years. I can quote it. Every time he says Mark, I'm like, oh, we're going to chapter 11. I know that, Pastor. I know it. Hey, can somebody jump me? My battery's not working. And in my 1963, or I'll, I'll tell myself, my 1973 Ford Maverick, can somebody help me? No, 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 no. No, don't play church. If you have a 73 Ford Maverick, thank God for it. My friend Bill, I had this Honda Civic. Well, when I was younger, Bill was in college to be a, a movie like director. And so he would always he'd make all these movies and do all this stuff, you know. And, and uh, so I had this Honda Civic. It had sat at the beach, so it was totally rusted out, had a major oil leak. If I ever see a car on the road with white smoke coming out the tailpipe, I feel for that person. So I lived in this apartment, and man, I had nothing. You know, and, and so the apartment, if you could imagine, the apartment complex kind of went like this, and then like this, and like this, and there was a parking lot here. And so the garages were underneath the, the apartments. So I would start my car, and <laughs> this is so bad, I, I don't even want to tell this story. I would start my car, and this a massive amount of white smoke would come out. And it, like one time these people were grilling in their garage. <laughs> and this, this white cloud just goes right. And they were, they were just, <laughs> you know, they were coughing. It was hilarious. It was so bad that my friend made a, a movie about my car, and he made a, this, this <laughs> he had this old, he made me wear this thing. It was like this old, like, World War II pilot's hat or something with goggles. And, and anyway, then he had a model of the car taken off with white smoke, and it blew up, you know. Oh, Bill. Yeah, then, yeah, and then they came out with Back to the Future. See? Come on. You start where you are, but don't stay there. And don't try to get to where someone else is in your own strength. Just, just know that wherever you are, you might be sitting here today going, listen, I, I'm a mess and I don't know any way out. Well, here's your way out. His name is Jesus. And it's not up to you to get out. He'll get you out if you'll just trust him. So what do you got to do to trust him? Get to know him. Start believing the word and speaking the word. Meditating in it. Pretty soon. I mean, but I'll tell you what. Do you know that Honda Civic? That Honda Civic was clean all the time. Those bald tires had tire shine on them. They did. They did. You could, you could probably eat off the floor in my car. Because the Lord told me, you be faithful with what you have, and I'll give you more. And that's the way it works. Don't, and don't look down. Man, if you, if you see somebody coming in, 
and there's a white cloud, just go, man, it's the glory, brother. Don't worry about it. The glory of God, right? Goodness and mercy are following you. They're in the cloud. Now you're laughing, but if a person will have that belief, they won't have a problem with that. Because mark my words, you're going to see people that come here with nothing that will become wealthy people. Because they will simply believe the word of God and God will make them rich. Hallelujah. Verse 24. Now we're going to talk about faith to receive. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. This word desire means whatever you call for, whatever you require, whatever you make a demand for. Well, why would you do that? Because he already said he gave it to you. In other words, Give me this day my, my daily bread. It, give me my healing. I'm calling for my healing, Father. The enemy has attacked my body illegally, and I've got symptoms in it that have no legal right. So right now, I'm calling for my healing. Right? Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. That means believe that you take hold and you seize hold of them and you will have them. In other words, this is how you live. Number one, you know your enemy. Right? Number two, you secure God's word. Number three, you maintain a pure heart. And number four, you resist doubt and fear. You do that, you'll receive everything. Because it's all for you. Genuine faith. Know your enemy. Secure God's word. Maintain a pure heart. And resist doubt and fear. It's how you lay hold. So simple. You can't speak the problem and be in faith. It's impossible. You cannot be worried and depressed about something and be in faith. Now let me say this about that. You may feel worried. You may even feel depressed. But if you want to know if you really are, remember, test yourself. I challenge you to do this. You feel worried about something. You feel depressed. You know why? Because you're looking at the wrong thing. But all you got to do is get your, just get your eyes back on Jesus and start going, Father, I thank you that your word says this. And all of a sudden you'll notice, wait a minute. No, I'm really not worried. That's just a feeling. Every time spirit of fear comes and you get a little riled in your flesh, you think you're in fear. Don't, no, no, don't buy into that. Test it. Say it is written. Father, I thank you. I don't have a spirit of fear. So fear, you leave in Jesus' name, and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, that was, that was just a feeling. That was, that was the spirit of fear trying to tempt me to take fear. But you don't ever have to take it. Faith, we said this last week, and I'll close with this. Faith will not move anything until it moves you. Your words, if they don't move you, they're not moving anything else. 
So what do you keep doing? You keep meditating in it. You keep, you keep the word in your heart and coming out of your mouth. See what happens, how you get the word in your heart is by speaking it. Once it's in abundance in your heart, it will come out of your mouth because it's in abundance in your heart. In other words, you'll sit here and go, Father, I thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And while you're doing this, your mind's going, no, you're not. Right? But you keep saying it. Father, I thank you that you meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory. I call these debts paid in Jesus' name. I thank you. Every time a thought hits, I thank you that it is written, you meet all of my needs. And all of a sudden, what will happen is revelation of that word will come. And you'll hear God say, right, Elisa, I have met all of your needs. And when you hear his voice, I'm telling you, when you hear it, faith is there. And instantly you'll be fully persuaded. Wow, this is done. This is over. I'm not moved by what I see. Now, will, he, will, he, will Satan go, oh, shoot, it's over? No, he'll keep coming. But you just keep speaking, Right? Hallelujah. Man, this is so good. I've got to read you one more scripture. <laughs> I would apologize, but it would be fake. First John chapter 5. I think I have this in my notes. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, there it is. I do have it in my notes. It was late last night. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, for whatsoever, it's the Greek word pas, it means whosoever, talking about us, is born of God, overcomes the world. It's the Greek word nikeo. It means we overcome the world system because of the delegated authority that we've been given. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world system because of the delegated authority that we've been given in the name of Jesus. And this is the victory. This is the Nike, is the Greek word. It means victory, it means success. This is the victory that overcomes, Nikeo again, that overcomes the world system because of the delegated authority that we've been given. Even our faith. Hmm. Notice it says even our faith. Faith has to be yours. You have to make it yours. Isn't that good? The word of God is so full of life. Who is he? Verse 5. That Nikeo that overcomes the world system because, and I say world system, that word world is cosmos, it means the world system. Who is he that overcomes the world system because of the delegated authority that they've been given? Wow. But he that believes, this word means to have faith in and to trust that Jesus is the Son of God. So I'll close by reading this in the Amplified because it really brings it out. For everyone born of God, this is 1 John 5, 4, 
For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Guys, here is a whole series on victory. You start in victory. When you're diagnosed with something, you, you take that diagnosis knowing, I already have the victory. Jesus has already overcome this. I have it. If you are trying to get the victory, that's backwards. You have the victory, so Satan, you must bow to the name of Jesus and you get out of my life. I already have the victory. You're not, you're not trying to be successful. You start out divinely successful. And now all this failure stuff has to bow to who you have been made in Christ. It's not about you anymore. It's about Jesus.